Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Heavy metal. The way it was meant to be. Classic 80s Underground. Live on blogtalkradio.com, the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. With your host, Mike the Big
right, that's how we're starting out this Sunday night show. That's a little DDT with Let the Screw Turn You On. Right now, let me welcome my co-host because I only got him for a little bit of time tonight. T, what's going on? Hey, brother. What's going on, man? Not much. What's happening there today? How's this How's this signal? It's cool. I'm calling for the Absolutely, Absolutely horrific. Horrific? Oh. Horrific. It's very low, staticky, and uh, echoey. You must All have right, a cell phone. By the next... Yeah, by the next song, I'll uh, I'll switch over to a house phone. All right, that sounds good. Hey, look, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Last week, Tommy and I ventured into Manhattan, and we met up with Biff Bison and Doug Scarrett from Saxon. They had a little layover on the way to the Monsters of Rock Cruise, and we got to speak to them. You know, Biff was on the show about two years ago. He was on the third anniversary show. We had him on live. Uh, so this was recorded, like I said, during the weekend. You have to deal with the audio. We did the best we could. There was a band playing outside in the lobby of the hotel, and we had two really inconsiderate bastards that were doing an interview before us who hung around a little later. We made a whole bunch of noise in the beginning, but uh, it's not bad, so just sit back and enjoy. But calling in after that, about 7.15 live, Joe Cangelosi and Rich Day from the Brooklyn Militia. Any guys that name a band after our home borough of Brooklyn can't all be that bad. Plus, you know, the guys from Moondog, Death Corps, Whiplash, Joe played with Creator. So yeah. we'll be calling in live in about an hour and a half or so and have a good time talking with those guys a little later. I know you won't be here, buddy, but uh, we'll keep yeah. this going in your absence today. Check it out, yeah. All right, well, All right. I, I, yeah, well I know you got to switch over to uh, another phone, so I'll That's get a little fun. music on. And uh, I just saw yesterday that the singer from uh, – did I even mention that we played DDT before that? No. All right, well, that song was Let the Screw by DDT. They were, a, they were a Canadian band out of Quebec, uh, you know, a French-Canadian band. I don't want to guess. Don't get me started on the French-Canadians, you know, but they they kind of remind well, me a little of Jack. the French-Canadians ain't bad. It's the French. It's the French, but you know what? If you want to model yourself after another nationality, not your own country, you know, screw you all then. But uh, I love our Canadian there. listeners, especially the French-Canadians. I'm just kidding around with you out there. But uh, yeah. another Canadian who we uh, lost... Yesterday I just saw it was Jeff Omer, who was a singer from uh, Sacred Blade. He played guitar and he sang with the band. He also played bass uh-huh. and keyboards. Over, I don't, I don't know how old he was. He, he had to be kind of young. Uh, you know, these guys all around. You know, when we were about their age back in the late seventies, early eighties. So yeah, he was probably in his late forties, maybe early fifties at the most. I didn't hear how he passed away, uh, but he did pass away. So our condolences go out to him and his family. Uh, Sacred Blade were like uh, one of my favorite bands in the early eighties and. They turned it to a band called Otherworld, you know, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Don't quote me on the year exactly. But they were still mm-hmm. active and playing. So, uh, like I said, it's a shame. We're just losing so many people. And, you know, they're just getting younger and younger, T. I don't know. Either that or we're getting older and older. <laughs> One of the well, others. that's what it is. We're getting older and older. And, it's starting to get scary. And are getting older and older. I know. It's getting scary, buddy. I don't know. Well, what are you gonna all you got to do is just keep, keep, keep it going, man. Just keep going. That's all you can do. You got to live every day like it is your last because you don't know when that's going to come. There you go. All right, so let's get on a little Sacred Blade in remembrance of them. And uh, I'll go into another tune after that. I give Tommy some time to switch phones. So go ahead, T. Here you go. This is Sacred Blade with Salem. Yeah. 
Original Sin, Bitches from Hell. That comes off their only record uh, from, I think it was 1986, I want to say, the Sin Will Find You Out record. I don't think that was a real band, if I remember. Um, I believe David DeFeast and the guy, and Ed Persino from A Virgin Seal, uh-huh. it was like a project they did. There were pictures of all, like, all females on the album cover or, and on the sleeve and everything. Right. But they had written all the music for that, just like they did uh, some other albums. And we, matter of fact, we had the Exalted Pile Driver on. A few weeks ago, those guys wrote most of his music on the first two records. Oh, okay. Right. So, uh, but I, I believe David DeFeast's sister Dana was the one that did the singing on this record. But I think the rest of the band was made up, and those guys played instruments. But it was some pretty good shit. Yeah, not bad. I mean, I liked to know who the girls were on the, in the picture because they were pretty hot looking back then. Yeah, but, uh, that, that was a great color. Yeah, unless it was those guys in drag. I don't know, but uh, if it oh. is, <laughs> I think I think I'm uh, switching teams over here. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we were a little drunk. That's all. <laughs> But that was some good stuff. All right. Yeah, you sound much better now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Blog Talk Radio is bad enough for sound quality, man. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, and then you play with cell here. phones. You know what it is? They had the, the number on the cell phone. I hear <laughs> No big deal. All right. Well, let me see what we got here for you right now. Uh, we'll do a Saxon tune. We'll get that interview going in a few minutes, but we do have to get some other songs on first. So, uh,. Let me see what we can do. Uh, well, let's do some Death Corpse. This was a band that uh, Joe and Rich were in many, many eons ago. Okay. Uh, before Whiplash and, you know, now Brooklyn Militia. And this is off the demo tape. I believe it's off the subhuman demo. It has uh, Signs of Satan.
right, the Porky Men are back. There you go. The English Dogs with New Slash. And before that, Def Corps featuring two of our guests later, Joe Cangelucci and Rich Dave. But that demo tape has won the shit, man. <laughs> you can hear yeah. the tape like going like, you know, trying to spin. Yeah. yeah, it hit a wobble. Yeah, I played the hell out of that over the years. And, you know, it was before I had a, the machine to transfer a lot of these cassettes to uh, MP3. Some of them just disintegrated over the years. So yeah, I know. We're getting through them all now. But, you know what, T, we got to get this interview with Saxon going because it's a little over a half hour. And uh, we have uh, Joe and Rich calling in right after that. So how about we get on a, a Saxon tune, and then we go right into that conversation with Biff and uh, Doug. Sounds good. All right. You want to hear uh, Princess of the Night first or Six Form Girls? I like Six Form Girls because it's... My it lends to the interview. Yeah, it does because they finally explain what it's all about. Oh, right, here you go. <laughs>
Yeah, and obviously goes to the same barber. <laughs> you get the two for one discount. Huh? Still, uh, yeah, we're one of the few of our friends that still have. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so enjoy it. It's great to talk to both of you guys today. I know you're in New York for a short time. You're heading out west to the Monster of the Rock Cruise. That's right, yeah. That was the first time you've done one of these uh, rock cruises? No, the second one we've done. Yeah, how are they? Yeah, they're good. They're yeah. Fun, yeah. You have to be a bit, you know, a bit of a mental case. Yeah, it's an really. expensive concert for some people. It, it's an expensive concert, yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's not really, you know, your working class audience, Yeah. I don't think. You gotta make the whole vacation around it, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 People have been saving up for it yeah. for a long time. You know? That would be good. I know you have another one coming up, and so you're gonna be doing the whole denim and leather record on that one, is that right? Yeah, we're not doing the cruise. We're playing in venues on land. Oh, okay. So the ship sails in, the people come up, and then we we play. It. All right. So it's pretty pretty good. Yeah, you do, I know you're doing the whole denim and leather record. Do you feel like that's the cornerstone? of the Saxon career or the, the album that yeah, I don't know it's the anniversary of uh, Power of Glory this year yeah you know so Nigel the drummer keeps telling us all the time it's the anniversary of Power of Glory this year <laughs> he wants to play it doesn't he yeah. yeah I think it's his wife's favorite album <laughs> that's probably why that's true yeah you know so yeah right. but Doug you were friends with Nigel before that's how you came to be in the band right was Nigel hooked up yeah uh, yeah, we were in a band together for uh, in Brighton. Now, and, uh, was it like one of those bands that had kind of revolving members? N Nigel was played in that band when he wasn't touring with Saxon, so that's how we first met. Yeah. Actually, we, we did meet before that because I, I, I was in a band in the Chinese just a local band, but. I used to come in and watch the band at the time, but I knew who he was, but I didn't know him for a few months and eventually introduced himself. And then we ended up playing the same band. Okay. It's hard to believe that you had a new guy in the band after like, like almost 17 years now. Yeah, we're nearly 20 years. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Time just flies by. Yeah, we're good fans from 79. Cool. Yeah, I got some stuff I want you to see. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. Uh, God bless you guys. You know, keep, keep it going. You know, because uh, a lot of bands give up. You know, and do it just for the, you know, just for the reunion or whatever. But you, you've been going strong. It's amazing. Yeah, going strong. I mean, to kiss yeah. your ass or anything, but you know. It's like let's better to burn out than fade away. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's been a whole resurgence with the band. I mean, you've never gone anywhere. We followed this since the beginning. But it feels like, you know, for the last two or three records, it's just things have been picking up. New fans are coming in, the old fans are... Yeah, it's exploding a little bit, yeah. you know, the, the profile of the band. And, uh, you know, we, we're ready for it because we've been making consistently great albums now. And, uh, you know, guys like yourself obviously are aware. And, uh, you know, more people are becoming aware, especially younger fans. Yeah. becoming aware of us and you know they, they buy into like uh, call to arms and then go backwards yeah you know yeah. so <laughs> pretty cool really you know so definitely yeah. yeah so it's great I mean it's a legacy of music people can buy into yeah you know a lot of people a lot of guys in the 80s you know got married and went away and sort of 
you know, their wife wasn't into metal music right. anymore, <laughs> and now they're coming back again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got hardcore fans who obviously never got married or, and or got divorced, <laughs> and they've been with us from day one yeah. till now. So, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's like a family thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, sure is. You know, it's the same for us, same for Maiden, same for Priest, you know. It's, uh, you know, we've never, I've never left the band, so we've never had a huge reunion. That's right. You know, yeah. so sometimes a bit stupid because I should have left and come back it would have been much bigger <laughs> but, you, know, so, you know would have had a better press hey I'm just going to say so long to Alex because he's he's, uh, he's leaving the sinking ship so uh, hey, good to see you again man yeah same to us you got my numbers and everything yeah oh thank you take care thank you and say hello to Gunter yeah definitely yeah safe trip you safe trip yeah too bad you weren't in New York for the parade this weekend. The parade, the parade. yeah, that's right. It's a big one. It is a big one. Yeah. It is a big one. I've been in Chicago for that one. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, where they yeah. turn the river green. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. I don't know what Chicago the year is down there. Yeah. Eggs probably is this one. It's a big, it's a big, uh, big, yeah. big, big, big party, isn't it? Yeah, over here it's tremendous. Uh, yeah. They'll be out in force the Irish this Sunday. Yeah, well, it's all the police and the fans yeah. there, you know. Yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 You know, Third, second generation Irish. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, when you look at it, for five decades you've put out an album. Yeah. Every five decades straight, there's been albums out by Saxon. Yeah. yeah. I look at five decades, I think of 50, you know, the number 50. Yeah, and I just say, it bothers my mind that he's having his own conversation. <laughs> so, yeah. It just, it just boggles my mind that, you know, you go back to the first record, and now it's sacrificed. <laughs> you talk about the new record. Yeah. It's just, you know, where do you keep coming up? It's like oh, close to 300 songs of all these years. And where do you keep coming up with new ideas, new riffs, without repeating yourself? It's got to be. Well, it's more difficult. More. It is difficult. Yeah. That is difficult. We are aware of that, aren't we? You know, that we don't want to repeat ourselves. You can, you can play some things in the same style, yeah. but, you know, there's only seven chords and the black notes in between, so, <laughs> you know, it's very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Unless you go Beethoven. Yeah. You know. find yourself writing a tune and then saying, wait a minute, didn't we do that in 1979 or 1985? Well, well, for us, you know, we went on this album, we went back a little bit to the 80s, to the Wheels of Steel, Strong Arm album, and did a couple of riffs that were very similar to that style. Yeah. Stuff that Metallica liked, you know, and yeah. the fast, flashy metal that we created. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we always, we always uh, remember our past and we... You know, we're always aware of what we did then. And sort of Doug, you know, wasn't around then, but he's still aware, aren't you, of what, what our legacy is. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I've, I've kind, of, kind of got kind of close to uh, rip off some of the older Saxons. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Were you a Saxon fan back in the day? Yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, really, my first introduction to met properly metal, but what was my the first music that I really loved? It was like Purple Sabbath, Sabbath, those I kind of missed the new wave of British heavy metal. But the bands that I liked then were basically Saxon Murderhead, and uh, to be honest, I was never really. Uh, that's okay, okay. So, you know, at the time, I preferred Saxon Murderhead and Priest as well, although Priest kind of. Like in and out of some of different styles. Yeah, they had they had a, like a change in sound and lyric, lyrical content. I always wanted to ask 
throb about the lyrics, you know? They got kind of childish, you know, when they became big in America, where, you know, all right, you know, there's always a little couple of corny songs here and there, but you always had good contact, good lyrical contact. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 we were always trying. You know, I always try and have educate. Well, I, I, like you we know, I like doing. Yeah, I do like doing sophisticated songs. You know, with a bit of a story, yeah, like yeah. a book. But then again, I, I, I like doing the rock and roll stuff as well. You know, like sure, sure. Back to the Wall. Yeah. You know, Never Surrender. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I mix it up. I don't really do uh, cliche rock and roll lyrics. You know, when we do a song about groupies and things, or generally relationships, it's usually it's usually full on. You know. Rock and roll gypsies. Yeah, yeah. Six form girls. Yeah, that type of thing. You know. It's all a bit tongue in cheek, you know. We don't, we don't take it totally, uh, totally serious. Six form girls. We've been asking this question. Well, six form girls are actually <laughs> seventeen to eighteen year old girls at school. Okay. That's what it is basically. And, uh, over here. Yeah, yeah. The, the six form is the uh, is kind of the last. Yeah, I mean they could be 19, you know, but it's quite quite older girls, you know. Uh, you know, obviously some of them in America you have to be 21. <laughs> but, you know, in Europe, six form girls. Yeah, it's a bit of a fantasy song, really. Yeah. I mean, don't forget it's written by six form guys, you know us. So you know, we're, we're writing it as young guys looking at young girls, you know. Simmons, Christine, 16 is a different story. He was already 30 years old. Well, yeah, that, that, that's a bit different. You know. I mean, you know, we wrote Six Phone Girls in 1978, right. you know, before we had a record deal. So, um, you know, that's what it's about, really. Just heard that on the internet radio station the other day. Yeah. I mentioned the new wave of British heavy metal. That name came to play, you know, like years later, after the scene was already taken off and everything. When you guys were formed back then and you playing and all those other bands were starting out, like Iron Maiden, the Tigers, the Pang Pang, and the rest of them, mm-hmm. was it a tight scene or was it a scene that was active and going around? It was just like, you know, they called it this name now, all of a sudden that's what we're a part of. Well, a journalist came up with the name uh, in a, for a paper called Sounds, yes. which was like, you know, the, yeah, the big right. paper, the melody maker, Sounds, yeah. and Enemy, New Musical Express, those were the three big papers, you know, and uh, I mean, we played with Maiden quite a lot before we got signed. I mean, we used to see them in the truck stops. You know, we played a few universities with them. We were also on lower on the bill, you know, us and Maiden, because we were the new guys, you yeah. know. We didn't have any fans, but um, it was a great time, and uh, Tags of Pantan, they supported us on, on the Wheels of Steel tour. So yeah, a lot of bands around, and, but you could, you know, after a couple of years, the bands with the fantastic songs, you know, on their second, third album, fourth album, right. the ones that came through, like us, Maiden, you know, I mean Def Leppard, in their own way came through as well, sure, yeah. you know, so, you know, you could tell who was going for the long haul and who was going to, you know. A lot of them fell by the wayside back then. Away. I know a lot of them come back today. But well, they didn't, have the, they didn't have the songs that, that, that crossed over. The yeah. media didn't pick them up, you know, that, that's the thing. Did you guys find that pressure over the years? Like, you know, you struggle to get signed to a record label, then they always want to change it. They don't want the band that they signed, they want to make you something different because they want to do whatever's popular. Well, our first, our first record label, the French one, they were fully into everything. I mean, I mean they were just as uh, eager to create this unique style as we were. So I suppose we were lucky in a way, because it was an independent label. Yeah. Obviously distributed by Warner Brothers, who were massive. Sure. But um, it was a very village, uh, you know, 
village mentality. Yeah, well, that you was know. good for you for the band because it would help you keep your. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the off. first album we made with them was um, in a studio, some small studio in the suburbs of London. You know, and guys like Rod Argent and people like that came and jammed on the album. Yeah. So we were a bit in awe at that, that time. And uh, the second album we was still we made it in the Who's studio, uh, in Battery Studios in London, and. Um, it's quite inspiring, you know, they had the yeah. pinball in there and everything, it's great. Um, but yeah, it was good, it was good, and uh, you know, we work in there. It took us two and a half weeks to make Wheels of Steel. So never, that would never be done today? No, it would never be done today. <laughs> it never happened. Yeah. Did you find that pressure, like, to try to make it here in America like everybody else did in the 80s, even though everybody made it here, the scene just died over here, like, come 1990 and... Yeah, well, it died everywhere, really. I mean, yeah. only a few countries kept it together, you know, Germany was strong. Yeah. Uh, South America was strong. You know, Holland and Belgium. The few countries that never really, you know, they didn't, they didn't work on airplay anywhere. Sure, yeah. So you know, for them, nothing changed. Yeah. You know, we just had to go through our lives, keep, you know, in there really. You know, the last years you, you had the book, which is almost impossible to find. Never surrender. You could, you can't find it anywhere. It's real hard. Yeah, but it's good to be rare. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now you had the movie last year, the documentary, which you know gave everybody what inspired the band with the concert footage. That was fantastic. The new album, but you've also produced the band on and off for the last twenty something years. Yeah. You decide ahead of time I want to produce this or I'm gonna I know you're supposed to work with Andy Smith and got other people coming in and out. Is it better to produce yourself or to work with somebody well, with the, thing, the thing, thing is with this band it's unique because you know the band I was saying this the other day, you know, well actually today, you know, that Doug didn't really need producing much, you know. We we work together. I mean I think me and Doug probably work together the most on albums actually. Probably true, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, we, he has a good eye, you know, a good ear for a great thing. It's quite sophisticated taste. So you know, but I think my job really, I mean, the beauty of being produced is you don't realise you're being produced. That's how it should be. Yeah. You're just a member of the band, basically. So I think my job was to focus ideas and to bring ideas in. Um, to help the guys come up with great riffs and different ideas. I didn't start writing the lyrics until quite late. I mean, Nibs' wife was ill, so I was playing bass on a lot of the writing sessions. So I was involved quite closely with writing and arranging, which I usually am anyway. So really for me, there wasn't really much difference, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I was more in control of, um, you know, um, what people played and things, really. But I think we work as a great team. Yeah. I was just the leader of the team more than somebody else. It shows on record, you can hear it in the sound. But I mean, I think this lineup of the band has been together more than the original lineup was. I mean, I think you guys. Yeah, we, see, we didn't waste any time yeah. in doing these, you know, Pro Tools overdubbings. Do you know what I mean? We right. didn't, on some of the albums, we spent a lot of time doing choirs. Yeah. guitar overdubs, making them thicker, making this and making that. And from, from my point of view, I didn't want that on this album. I wanted the band to be in front of you, this is it, this is Saxon, this is him, on his Les Paul, through his Marshall, playing. It has that feel, the album. And it has that feel, yeah. yeah. And Andy Sneap came down, we had a word with him, that's what we wanted, you know. And, yeah. But we are experimenting all the time, made in Belfast. It's a to yeah. total example of experimentation and people coming with ideas on the hoof, you know. Well, every record has something a little different, but yet it's Saxon, you know it by the sound. 
yeah, you experiment with like some songs are more progressive, some songs they go in all kinds of different directions. Yeah. And that's what makes I think the whole album a solid entity. It yeah. doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, I think on this album though, I, I think I, I, was, I was able to focus the material. So on this album, there's no balance. Yeah, I didn't want to write a war song on this album, but a video company asked us to write a song about tanks. Okay. So we wrote Wheels of Terror in about two hours, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I said to Doug, I said, look, can you come up with something similar to Dogs of War? Yeah. You know, that riff, we jump up and down riff, which he did straight away. So, you know, it worked out great. And uh, I'd already got the title, you know, and I'd got the chorus in my head. Yeah. Uh, and it came really quickly, that song, you know. It's like a machine now almost. You know what you have to well, do. Well, it's pretty hard work, actually. But, uh, I know, but things yeah. like Wheels of, Wheels of Terror, because because we had the ideas locked in and Doug had a, 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 you know, a, an idea to work to rather than just staring into space waiting, <laughs> waiting for inspiration. Yeah, because sometimes you, like, you come up with like parts of a song and <clears throat> don't get me wrong, but you get a feeling that there's something really good there. That's right. And it's great. Yeah. And then the next bit just won't come. That's right. So it's like, do you pursue it? Do you, you know? So you, you keep trying it. Yeah. Keep. I mean, that's what I was saying again earlier today. Like Hammer of the Gods was like, because put, um, we, yeah, that that's riff, right. We knew that was a great. Riff, yeah, we did. Paul's riff. Yeah. At the beginning of Hammer of the Gods, but for, for months, actually for yeah, months. Yeah, I had it on my home studio. We couldn't the next bit. Now I kept bringing it out, and he said, "Oh, why don't you put it to this bit?" We had we put the two pieces together. It's fantastic. Just came alive, you know. Yeah. Were there any other songs that you gave up on in the past that you managed to find, like you know, a way to continue with it? Yeah, Guardians of the Tomb. Okay. We gave up on Guardians of the Tomb at least seven times. Yeah. Just couldn't really get it together, you know. Uh, I had this idea of doing this. Guardians of the Temple, Guardians of the Tomb, and they had these riff things that were all like over all over the place in different bits. And uh, you know, we kept trying to put it together. Really, it just started as a jam. It did. Yeah. I mean, I brought my Roland kit for Nigel because we couldn't get the real kit, so he was playing on electronic kit. And one of the programs is this wacky Chinese woody, you know, progression. Yeah. And he just played it, and then he played this other part. And I had it on my studio in a jam, like a jam session. In fact, I think that's what I call it, you know, yeah. the Chinese jam or something. And um, again, we realized there was something there, you know, that was yeah. really special. And we just kept working on it, working on it, and I'd go away and, you know, try and do a melody to it. And then I came back and said, you know, I've got this thing about the terracotta army in China that would fit. And then I think Doug came up with that fantastic, you know, heavy metal riff there. I was just and then June, it went in, you know. Yeah. Some things are still on my studio that never got finished, you know. How you get them eventually? Oh, oh, we just erase them. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Sometimes, it's sometimes good to erase them, you know. Because, you know, if you try them for a couple of years, then something's wrong. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like actually, you know, you had the loss of for a while with with uh, the Alvin Dawson version of the band. They still manage to use their name, like we have to have their name. Well, we let them use their name. Oh, we let them use like we let them use Oliver Dawson ex Saxon, but they break the rules a little bit. Yeah. But they're only playing tribute gigs, yeah. Yeah. you know, with like, you know. You I think it know. hurts the name of the band? Van, like Van, Van Rental or something, you know what I mean? They're doing tribute gigs. So. Do, you, do you think it hurts the legacy of the band by them using the name because it's not that? I don't thing. think it does anymore. Yeah. I think they've done themselves so much harm that they've, they've like done an anti-publicity thing. 
because they were so against us, they've turned the real Saxon fans against them. Yeah. Which is stupid. Because if they'd have carried on as son of a bitch, yeah. all the Saxon fans would have stayed with them, yeah, and yeah. they would have had a great, you know, a great career, and we yeah. could have, you know, we could have could have played together or anything. Yeah. But you know, they're so. It's all spinal tap, those boys, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and the really, <laughs> the bottom line of it is, is all, everything you read and everything they've said is all whatever you think about it, but the bottom line is 20 years of no product. That's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been brought up my pitch, just like you said. Covering, going on a son of a bitch, or a different name. Do a couple of old tunes that they wrote. No problem. It's just having a name. It doesn't mean anything today anymore because you know there were bands that are out there. I mean, Rob Halford does the solo stuff. It has nowhere near the impact of Freaky. Well, uh, and the thing is, so you know, it's better just starting from scratch. We have, we have like thousands of fans who don't even know who they are. Yeah. 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 Sure. I mean, we did them a favor putting them on the documentary, really. Because I wanted it to be a true documentary. Yeah, yeah. Was very good. So we put them on there. You know. Yeah. They could have used that time a bit better. I, you know, I mean, Dawson was just telling funny stories, yeah. which is great. But he could have gone a little bit, you know, I more into the musical. Of course. You know what he played, and more interesting. But you know, it's funny, and it's good fun. You know. Well, you know, after every record you guys put out in the last few years, I keep hearing that we're going to take a little time off. We're going to take a little time off. It never seems to happen. The album comes out, and bam, four or five months on the road. And I know, like, it's really hot right now, metal again. So I can imagine more strike while the iron is hot and, and be active with it. But when are you guys ever going to just take a break, or is it working? Well, we we keep saying we're going to take a break, but actually we still get so far. I don't with touring and the album that we just want to go and write another one. That's true, isn't it? So never get yeah. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't want to do much next year. Yeah. But I bet he was going to write some songs. I'm sure. You can't stop it. We don't it's just, it's just in your blood, really. It's in his blood to, to. I mean, when you're a songwriter, when you, when you like, you know, when it's in your blood to to sort of, uh, you know, you know, create things. It's an art, isn't it? Sure. And if you create it then you really can't stop it, that, that, that's the thing, you know. You don't want it's like if you're a painter, oh, I'm going to stop painting. Yeah. You know, but you're always looking at things with a painter's eye, you know. That, that's the thing, isn't it, really? If it never feels like a job, I guess, then it's not worth doing anymore. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes it is a job when you're on a plane and there's no room in the seat and it's full of, you know, and it's 14 hours. Yeah. It is a job, really, it is a hard job, believe me. You know, we've been doing interviews today since 10 o'clock this morning. I know. So it's a bit brutal. I know you're probably saying, let's get these guys out of here, it's fine. I'm just <laughs> yeah, I think we have as well, we do have a, a refusal to let anything go. We don't think it meets the mark. Whether it meets the mark for, for, for the press or whatever, but it doesn't, if it doesn't meet our mark, then we won't let it go. We'd rather not... We'd rather not release it. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to release rubbish just because we can sell a few copies. Yeah. It, quality is what we're about, not quantity. That's why you want to get 10, 11 songs on an album. Sure. We're still making vinyl records, man. That's uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's, mentally. Well, you know what I'm saying? The vinyl's making a comment. I mean, we use Pro Tools and digital yeah. technology. You know, we've grown up with it now. I mean, and we use everything in our, in our arsenal. You know weapons, yeah. and vinyl is is one of them now. Uh, but you know we don't we we don't have any preconceptions. You know in, in the next three years there might be another jump forward. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, pretty much everybody listens to everything on MP3 anyway. That's true. Yeah, nobody buys it. So it all tends to sound the same anyway. So the hundreds of thousands of pounds you spend yeah. on making a fantastic production, as soon as it goes down to an MP3 file, it's processed and yep. compressed. So it all tends to sound yeah. the same, so you know. This is the whole lineup. Yeah. Just can't wait. wait. When you guys are writing music or you're planning your tours and the stage shows, do you think it's more important to please yourself? For the fans. So if you please for the stage show, please I think the stage show should please the fans. Yeah. I think a big, people make a big mistake sometimes with, with when you go out on tour, and um, it, has, it has to be entertaining for the fans. You can play new songs, you can play rare tracks, but at the end of the day, somebody wants to hear Denim and Leather played on some of football, yeah. sing along with their fans, you know, with the band. That's really what life's all about. Yeah, and the more people the there are there, the better it is. Yeah. Will you go back to the first record ever again for anything? We, we do the f first record. We do Frozen Rainbow sometimes. Yeah. We do Stell into the Highway. Yes. Uh, we've we've re-recorded Militia Guard. Yeah. We've re-recorded Stell into the Highway. Obviously, we've done Frozen Rainbow unplugged, you know. Right. So, yeah, we, we're aware that the first album is, is a bit of an undiscovered gem. Exactly. You know. Yeah. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know you got to get a car in a little bit, and I know you're going out on tour for like the next four or five months, and you're going to be. Well, we're having dinner now, and then we're off to see Soulfly. Oh, great! I make Matt. So yeah, Good. so we're partying. Uh, I appreciate. No, we're not problem here. Today, so we'll let you guys. I know you got to be exhausted. I'll we'll give you a break, but uh, yeah, yeah. Up tonight. But I appreciate you guys talking us tonight, and I can't wait to see when you get back to New York. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but uh. Well, I, I think it might. I yeah. think it might. Yeah, we, we've got some time penciled in September, October. Okay, great. You know, so. BBs probably. It could be BBs, yeah. yeah. I know there's a few other new venues. Uh, we'd like to do a different venue yeah. I mean, we like Baby Kings yeah. Yeah. A fantastic place for the audience yeah. a bit restrictive for the band yeah, yeah, I'm sure. you, know, you get smacked in the head a bit with the bass guitar <laughs> you know, Nick's can't go wild in there yeah, it's you know, he's yeah, a bit yeah. like nailed to the floor you know what I mean a little bit isn't he yeah. so you know, you know what Nibs is a wild man so he likes to go to room to go wild in it'd be, it'd be great if we could do like um more, like a larger venue, like Masters Square Garden, let's say, you know, Aiden, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, probably, I don't think that's going to happen, you know, you know, like old you know, I talk to Ross Smallwood all the time, and it's not going to happen, yeah, <laughs> 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 you know, they never, you know, well, you never say never, you know, they may well, I may pick up the phone one day, and he goes, ah, it's broad, you know, they're putting the tour together you know, with all the old tracks. Yeah. You want to come along and do it. That'd be cool, you know. Yeah, we'll see, you know. I mean, we're not, um, we don't really, we're not bothered about that sort of thing, but it'd be nice to do it. It'd be nice to be involved, wouldn't it? You know, in one huge, full on metal, British metal tour, you know, it'd be great. Yeah, that would be ultimate, you know. It would be great. People probably would be dying. <laughs> you got to drink, let me out of the rainbow. You got to get him off that slot machine in there. It's the only way you're going to get me going. But <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate it. And I can't thank you enough for talking to us. Yeah, it'd be nice talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
All right, off the brand new Saxon record, Sacrifice. Band's been going at it for a long time. That was made in Belfast, and I know the interview wasn't the greatest quality. You know, we did it in a in a back room of a, of the hotel. There was a band in the lobby. It was a lot of noise, so it was it was hard, you know, to get a good sound out of it. But we did the best we could, Tommy and I. We had a good time talking to those guys. The conversation went on a, a lot longer than that, but I just ended it, you know, after the after that part. Yeah, after that, it was just little, you know, guitar banter and stuff like that, you know, touring. Exactly. But you know what? It's 7 o'clock. That means it's the witching hour, which means it's time to welcome Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com. Kenny, how are you, my friend? Oh, man, I'm listening to that interview, and at one part, I'm waiting for the cops to come in and say, we got you, because it sounded like Ooh. one of those... It sounded like one of those things that they show you on the news where we're watching right now, undercover. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a fly on the and wall type. And wait a second, T. What in the hell are you asking a Brit about the St. Patrick's Day Parade? They don't give a flying fuck about the St. Well, Patrick's Day Parade. they wrote a song about <laughs> Belfast. They wrote a song about Belfast. So I figured they, you know. And they love, right. they love their Irish fans. Well, well but they, you know, it's a... It's a no. bit of a touchy thing, don't no, you think? No, it isn't a touchy oh, right. thing. They don't. We don't think like the uh, rockers. Don't think like that. Look at the, you know, Thin Lizzy Alrighty. and all that. Okay, good enough. I'll plus take that. He said, I'll he, take... Plus, he said he was he wanted he would have loved it, you know. But they got to go for the cruise, and um, they were talking about the Chicago. Uh, okay, good know, enough. Chicago, yeah. And then me right, and uh, me and Doug started talking about Chicago. Uh, they got big fan base in Chicago, and we got shushed. <laughs> uh, you got shushed. Yeah. All right, Kenny, what's going on? All right, so here we go because Mike's got me on a, Mike's got me on an egg timer nowadays. So, oh, he's all right. so here's the here's the skinny. There's a couple of cool things that happened this uh, this past week. Well, not necessarily cool, but uh, you know. Mr. Glenn Hughes announced that the formal dissolution of uh, the Black Country Communion, where they were no longer going to have that band around, which is a little unfortunate for those fans like me who've never gotten to see the band and love the DVD and videos on YouTube. And uh, they got like four albums out. It's all really cool shit. But I guess it's just too hard to keep a band like that together with the nature of the players that are involved in. Yeah, hey, you know, that metal, that metal Alliance tour started the other night, and that is already selling out on almost every single show that they got going on. So good for the guys in Anthrax who are just now releasing their Anthems EP. And I got to tell you, I was crying in my soup when I saw another covers album coming out. But this one is really, really good, and I like it. And I'll be reviewing it soon enough for the site. And hey, Mike, you know, you and I were enjoying some fine wine at the Tawarar Bar. Maybe we can get them to get the Iron Maiden Trooper brew over there. Hmm. We'll have to mention. And I am available for tastings. Okay. Yeah. I will go out. I will go out and drink Iron Maiden beer for for as long as you like. Okay. So. Anyway, let me get down to the business of shows, my fiends, because we don't have a lot of time left. So here we are. We are a week before the Easter holiday and on the cusp of uh, the Passover holiday. So not a whole lot of stuff is really going on. But you do have bad religion over at Terminal 5 on Tuesday with a day to remember at the Best Buy Theater. I believe that event is sold out, but every time there's sold out shows, people seem to find their way in with tickets somehow. Uh, the lovely Yoshiko O'Hara is at the cake shop. Now, Yoshiko is from an underground band called Bloody Panda. 
she's interesting, so go check her out if you like that kind of atmospheric, screamy, doomish stuff. Sad to inform the world that the Local H tour, not only the show, but the tour has been canceled. They were set to stop at the Gramercy Theater on Wednesday, but the lead singer was assaulted in uh, Moscow uh, right after a show. He got uh, beat up pretty bad and robbed, and uh, he's he's got to get some uh, some recovery time in, so we wish him the very best. Yeah, the life of a traveling musician, it's not all wonderful, you know. Uh, nothing on my radar for Thursday, but Friday I got a couple of cool things with the World Inferno Friendship Society at Irving Plaza. This is kind of like a gothic rock cabaret sort of event, but they got Rasputina opening up and who are really interesting and Stolen Babies, who I can never get enough of because they're just so quirky and odd. The band Kill Code is celebrating a recent signing to, I think it's a, it's a, what is it, CME Records, they said, uh, signed... Um, the Kill Code guys. And this is kind of like a southern hard rock from uh, New York City, which is, of all places, to get southern rock bands out of. And they'll be performing with Mother, Circus Life, Arden, and the Wolves. And Owl is a band that features Chris Wise of The Cult. All the support bands should be a fun night of rock and roll. Moving Sidewalks brings the blues from beyond back to the B.B. King Blues Club. This is a blues band that has Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top in it. So that's going to be a very, very interesting show. And just in case uh, listeners are too busy on Easter Sunday to know what's going on, you got the band Otep is playing at the studio at Webster Hall with a whole shit ton of bands on her Seduce and Destroy tour. And that, my friends, is all I have for you. So remember to come on down to Facebook and find Piercing Metal. We would love to have you give us a like. And our Twitter and our Instagram, all those links are available at the drop of a dime. I'll see you next week. Thank you very much, Kenny. I'm sorry to rush you this week, but we have two guests. The next one calling in a few minutes, and we have to get our demolition segment going and uh, one other tune. So uh, you know what? Before we do the demolition segment, let's do uh, let's get one more song on. We'll go right into that, and then we'll tell you how to get it. Uh, but first, here's a little zero hour. This is off the only demo tape, and then the darkness.
right, that was Siren, Shadows of a Future's Past, and head over to the Heavy Metal Mayhem blog spot and download yourself a copy of that demo tape. But right now, I believe we have Joe and Rich on the line. Guys, you there? Yo. What's going on? How's it going, man? I don't got Rich on there. Somehow, something's going on with this conference call thing, man. He he <laughs> could just call the number directly. I'll I'll patch everybody through here. He doesn't have to call the the conference. Oh, can you do that? All right. So yeah. let me call, give me one second. Let me tell him to do that. Go right ahead. Thanks, bro. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, we got Joe on the line. He's gonna get Rich. We'll get this interview going. And anytime I get to talk to some uh, fellow Brooklynites over here, there's nothing better than that. So we'll just hang out a minute over there. Like I was saying before, head over to the block spot, download yourself a copy of The Siren, the Iron Coffin demo. It's up right now. I don't know, the demos that I played in today's show, the quality wasn't so great, but what are you going to do? Some tapes held up better over the years than others. And before that, we had the band Zero Hour. They only put out one demo tape in 1988, and that band had a lot of great people. And had our good friend Pat Burns, who played in Whiplash for a little while, and Death Thrash, and Tony Scaglione, the original drummer from Whiplash, and Gordon Ansis who was in New York City Mayhem back in the day, and I uh, did a little stint with Agnostic Front in the mid-'80s. Uh, who else was in that band? Oh, and Joe Haggerty from uh, Primal Scream and Crumb Suckers. And I think there was another guitar player in the band, uh, Rob Goodwin. I think it was with Massacre. We'll have to ask uh, uh, Joe and Rich about that later on when they call back in, because those guys were in Massacre also. And that was a pretty good demo tape, and I was such a big Crumb Suckers fan back in the day, so, you know... Like I said, that was Zero Hour, and maybe I'll get that demo tape up pretty soon. And I know Pat Burns from Death Rush is working on some new material right now. Like I said, Joe Haggerty, Gordon Ansis, a lot of people. All right, I believe we got Joe back in the line. Joe, hey, how's it going? All right, what's happening there? Long time, man. It's been a while. It has been a while, man. The last time we spoke, Whiplash was just getting back together. That's and right. That was, there. what, 2008? 2008, yeah. 2008, right? Well, it's been a long, crazy five years. Oh, my God, it has been. It has been, let me tell you. Let's go back to the last Whiplash record. Uh, The album came out. I thought it was the best record you guys put out in years. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And then you guys routed the band. You're out, then Rich is out. What happened? I'm telling you, man, I I don't want to slag nobody and put no bad stuff out there. But, you know, out of the blue, Tony just said he wanted Scaglion back. And I was just, like, puzzled because I basically, you know, got to, like, drag him out of his basement to try to, you know, do... Whiplash again because I felt that you know it would be a great thing to do again. So I you know I got my friend Rich Day who's in my band now and he was in Primal Scream. He was uh, he's yep. always been a you know bass player. Me and him always played together you know. But uh, yeah, out of the blue, Tony said you know he wanted Skag, but Skag eventually never came back, which is the sad part. And you know it kind of like you know it was I don't I think it was pretty abrupt. But you know whatever. In fact, I want to thank him because. What I'm doing now is so much more fulfilling, you know, and there's no uh, limitations with this music, you know, and it's a shame that, you know, some bands become one man, you know, one person in the band becomes the person who calls all the shots or wants to, like, you know, control things. I know exactly what you're saying. And that's a shame, too, because it kills good bands because a band is not one person, you know, that's a solo Absolutely, man. I mean, it's only a one-person thing. Hey, it is, Rich. Hey, Rich, is I ain't doing this. What's up, Mike? I'm calling, bro. Well, you know, I wish him the best, man, you know, and um, I'm just happy that, you know, we're doing our own thing now. And we, in fact, well, while me and Rich were in the band, we, um, Tony had some personal uh, issues that he had to contend with, so we formed Broken Militia in probably 2008, 2009, the end of 2008, maybe. 
and you know, it, we went through a lot of hardships and a lot of dead ends and stuff, but we finally got a uh, complete lineup and we're going back into the studio to finish our first CD and we got a bunch of record labels interested and we're psyched. I'm glad, man. You know, when you uh, Rich, welcome to the show, man. I, I I know you just came on a little bit. Uh, Joe was talking, but you know, when I look at when I look at Brooklyn Militia, and I listen to the music. I I hear I hear some Primal Scream. You know, there's there's Death Corps in there. There's Whiplash. There's a little bit of everything you guys have done over the years. It's got the hardcore. It's got some punk. It's got thrash. I mean, you got to be happy with that because, like you said, you're not limited to just one, you know, specific type of song. I mean, you guys can just do what you want, and you know, it all fits together. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's always stuff that we always loved, man. We never thought that it's like a one genre type of thing. It was never that way with us, especially. I mean, I like yeah. too much to play one thing. You know what I mean? I would never be satisfied playing one exact style. I mean, we so always loved metal. Fun. We always loved punk, hardcore, but we always did it all anyway. Whether we were in bands or not, we always, you know, got together, wrote tunes and stuff. But yet, basically, Brooklyn Militia is the music that we love to play. Exactly. It's Which great, touches man. upon most of the stuff that, you know, all, all the aggressive punk, hardcore, and metal stuff that we love as kids. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are doing it, man. And like I said, it was a shame that things fell apart, but it, everything happens for a reason, and Absolutely. this is the reason. And you know what? No hard, I don't have any hard feelings, man. I want to put that out there because, Absolutely. you know, whatever happened, happened for a reason, man. And I'm, I wish him well, and I'm glad that I'm on the right path now, you know. Yeah. Hey, yeah, definitely push us in this direction. Just from starting the Whiplash with Tony again, got us solely into doing this this style of music again. Yeah, well, so it definitely uh, sparked us to do you know what we wanted to do. Well, I, I like that you brought Glenn Hansen in, you know, because in the beginning, you know, it was the two of you and Paul, and I'm glad you brought Glenn in. To me, I like hey, that's a little kick in the ass, like get another Whiplash guy in the band, you know. <laughs> That's three guys, man. Yeah, yeah, the only thing that could have been better is if he would have dug up Chris Sott and resurrected Tony Bono for, uh, for a cameo. Oh, man, yeah. God bless <laughs> Tony Bono, man. We miss him, man, terribly. Yeah, I love him. That's the only thing you guys could have done. Get Chris Sott to do a cameo. That really would have been a thorn in Tony's side. <laughs> well, see, the, the whole thing about this is that when I you know, tried to reform Whiplash with Tony again, I thought to myself, who would be the best replacement for Tony Bono? Who would actually respect what he did and really... I mean, I couldn't have got anybody better than Rich Day because the guy is, number one, he's a great bass player. Number two, he's a great friend of Tony Bono, and he knew his style. He knew him as a friend. And, you know, that stuff goes a long way. And then I think that when you have a band that was established for so many years and you keep changing members of the band, I think it's a bad reflection. I really do. And it doesn't keep the purity of what the band originally intended. It's true, you know, because the sound is going to change all the time. I don't care if there's one, like you say, there's one main guy who's like, you know, driving the machine. You, you're never going to have the same sound in the band all the time. Even if you go back to the early Whiplash when, you know, with Tony, then with you, then back to Tony, other guys, it never sounded like the same Whiplash. It constantly changed. And that's just something that's going to happen when members keep coming in and out. And that's, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not a good thing. Well, I think that the original Whiplash, I mean, people got to definitely think and like I know from you know my experiences that Tony Bono was a major part of all that stuff you know and um, I think without Bono Whiplash would be half as not nearly three quarters as good as it was yeah, yeah Bono's I, I, energy was undeniable man for sure yeah. live in studio and it was incredible it was incredible to yeah. watch Tony was great man Tony was an excellent songwriter and he always put the fire on the Patero's butt man to get you know, doing what he had to do, you 
Yeah. Well, you know, you guys go back a long way too, Rich. You and uh, you and Joe. I mean, you goes back to the Death Corp days until you. So it's not like you guys just ran into each other, you know, at the end of Whiplash and, and carried oh, on. No. You guys have played, you know, <laughs> a long time. We played. I mean, even in bands that, you know, we just did for fun. We never stopped playing for shit, 25, 30 years. There was always something going on. To be honest with you. Yeah, even when he was in one band, I was in another band, or whatever. We always found time, you know, to get together and jam and do stuff. And I think that's why it's so good, man. If you love to play music together, it's not like some dudes are just, stick, you know, stick in a room and fucking do what they do, man. It was never that way. We do it because we love to do it together, man. And it shows, I think. Yeah, it definitely. The energy is on another level, and the enthusiasm in the band right now is incredible, man. We just got a brand new guitar player. His name is Lauren Bierman. And uh, he was he's from a band called The Dead Tricks in New York City. And he's doing a great job, man. I mean, for him, he's tackling some new music, you know, some a new genre for him to be playing. And I think he's doing a damn good job. And we're really proud to have him in the band, for sure. And, of yeah, course, Glenn, great, great, guy. great to play with Glenn again. You know, because in 99, me and Rich played uh, in Moondog. That's right. It was like yeah. a hard rock band with Glenn. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. Really did you guys record anything with Moondog? Because I, I don't say there's nothing really out there. Yeah, we did. No, we never we really recorded. Did. Yeah, we recorded. A, um, I don't know how many songs. Ten, maybe, Rich. Something like that. But we never did but, anything with it. And then that, you know, we moved on to other stuff, you know. And but uh, yeah, it was a great band. Like yeah, a Zeppelinish type of band, I would say. I would love to hear some of that stuff because I know you know Joe and uh, Glenn. You guys played in Whiplash on the Insult Injury record. And then you all had the Moondog thing going, but I would, I would love to hear something about that. Send you the fi- I'll send you the files, bro. Oh, that'd be great, Joe. I appreciate that. I would love to hear yeah. that stuff. It's really good stuff, man. It really is. But, you, you know, you got Brooklyn Militia now. That's the main thing. And, you know, come on, that, that's my hometown, man. Born and bred in Brooklyn. Can't get rid of the accent. Oh, yeah. With me, you know? <laughs> we come with the name, man, Brooklyn Militia. You know what? Joe it's and, uh, really hard, you know, to you identify. You that, right? Go ahead, Rich. Sorry, man. I think you and uh, Paul came up with that name. I'm not sure how, but... I came up with that name. Actually, it was Brooklyn Army Militia to begin with, but we just chopped it down to Brooklyn Militia. I figured, you know, it's, you know, the core of what we're, you know, representing, where we come from, and, you know, it's a pretty cool name. Without a doubt, man. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn's becoming a stronghold again for metal and hardcore and all that good music. I mean, like that Greenpoint area, you know, Williamsburg, that whole that whole side of yeah. Brooklyn. It's, well, it's, it's like, kind of... Every other storefront's a club these days, you know. And it's the, great. And it's great. It's a big resurgence, and I think it's um, really possible and due from uh, the fact that you can get anybody's music anywhere, you know, these days. It's not, you know. So that I think that opens up the whole entire live situation, and, and I'm so glad to see so many clubs that are supporting it. It's great to have, you know, because for a while, you know, bands, the downloading came into play. Bands weren't making any money. Not that they made a lot of money anyway off the albums, but... You know, that disappeared. People weren't paying for them, nor buying them. Then all of a sudden, you know, the economy tanked a few years ago, and people weren't going out to shows anymore. And like, I was at the St. Vitus Bar, another great club in Brooklyn not long ago, and the place was packed. I was like, this is great that, you know, people showing up again. And, now, you know, you guys got your first show coming up in Brooklyn. Was it the Asheron? Yeah, definitely, yeah. April 5th, the Asheron. We're playing with, uh, we're playing with Army. Scare, Birthday D, and uh, Evil Army. That's going to be a great show, man. You guys have been putting it all together for so many years. It's going to feel good to probably get up on stage and play. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Well, how do you get the whole scene these days compared to the way it used to be? I mean, you know, you have a, you know, you start all, I mean, you had all these big bands behind you, Creator, Whiplash. Now it's like, you know, it's kind of like starting from scratch again. How do you go about building up your fan base more so just than being known from your other bands? I mean, how do you try to find a new audience today? Go ahead, Rich. No, I'm giving that one to you, man. All right. <laughs> I think that basically, man, you know, we, you know, we have a lot of history and different bands. We have a lot of history together as, as people and, you know, musicians and stuff. And, you know, word of mouth gets out real quick. You know, we didn't, we haven't really done anything yet. I mean, but try to get this band to the point that we're at now. And we have a lot of people that are really interested in it. Of course, you know, due to our you know bands in the past and stuff. So it's almost like we're really not starting from scratch, but we always did this because we love to do this. It's not, I never did this to be famous or any of that bullshit, man. Exactly. I want to do this because I love to play. I love to play with the people I love to play with. And if you like it, great. And if we can do some stuff, we do it, man. I mean, none of this shit ma- makes any sense to me, man. You know, the business and blah, blah, blah. We do it because we love it. It's not money-driven. It's not ego-driven. It's just pure fun, enjoyment, like we were kids in a studio again. Exactly. So, you know, from our history, people come and they're interested, and we're not going to disappoint them, that's for sure. Yeah, nobody's getting rich anymore for this business. I mean, you see bands at all levels in this industry struggling from one end to the other, so you got to do it because you love writing and you love playing. There's no other reason to be out there these days. Absolutely, and you know what? We don't care. We'll open for anybody. I mean, we'll headline. It doesn't matter. None of that matters because after we're done making our statement, people will know what we do, man, and people will feel that all that history rolled up into you know a big ball of energy, man. <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic. Well, I know you were just saying you got Lauren in the band now. What happened with Paul? Because you guys all started this thing together a couple of years back. Some weird ahead, personal Rich. problems went down, like usual. Got going down and bad. The same old, same old, man. It's, a, it's it's like the story of this business, right? You you can't have a exactly. band without some shit going wrong with somebody oh, somewhere down the line. It's never ending, man. It's, <laughs> that's harder than actually getting on stage and doing what you do, man. I'm not even sure what happened, to be honest with you. Basically, um, Paul... You know, as we were, like, you know, we recorded our demo stuff at his place, and we did everything together, and, you know, he's a very competent guitar player, man, excellent, you know, and but at the time, at the point where we're ready to start doing stuff, he had a change, you know, he had some personal stuff going on, and he wanted to continue to um, work in his studio instead of, you know, being a member of a band, so that's pretty he much more what happened. Producing. I mean, he was yeah. good producing, man, he was just... He's a fucking great engineer, man. He's a really good guy, but he's also awesome, focused he's a great at guy. End of it. And we wish him well. Do you, you find it harder and harder you know, as years go by to find musicians to play with that, you know, are into the same thing that you're into and maybe have the same focus or the same direction down the road? Because, you know, it's like a lot of people just can't dedicate a lot of the time like they used to back in the day because they have to work, they got other things going on. But it's hard to find people with the same, you know, inspiration and the same motives that you have like to, to play with or is it really like a struggle trying to find different players out there well as you can see we got three people in this band that probably be playing 25 plus years together or 20 plus years probably 25 plus so we got a nice fat core in this band of three people you know me rich and glenn and now we brought in lauren which is he's totally enthusiastic about it he's dedicated he's got that fire and that spark that we you know, always had and we still do you know, so we're really happy that it worked out the way it did. I'm glad, you, got, I'm glad you brought Glenn into the fold. I got to tell you, because I haven't heard anything from him in a long time. Was he doing anything before he hooked up with you guys? 
Who's that? I think Moondog was Blind? the last thing he did. Moondog, wow. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's a great singer, man. He's very underrated. You know, people heard the Whiplash record, and then that was really all they heard from him for a long time because the Moondog stuff never got out there, and people just right. didn't really get to hear what the guy was all about. Well, well I'll tell you, you're going to definitely hear it this time around. He gets a lot raunchier now, and he's a lot more register to his voice these days. Man. I think he sounds better than he ever did, to be honest with you. I agree, man. He's really a powerhouse right now. He's not the Glenn Hansen from 1989 by no means. No, man. not he's at all. He's got attitude. He's got... A lot of new stuff in his arsenal, and he's kicking ass. Yeah, it's fucking devastating now, man. Well, you know what? The only way people are going to know is if they're in this area, anywhere in the Tri-State area, is April 5th to get the hell out to Brooklyn and to come see you guys playing live. So to yeah, get come out, guys. It's going to be a great show, man. A lot of good bands on this show. You know what? It's funny. Excited. The shows today are cheaper than they were back in the 80s. You know, you get more bands on the bill for your money. And, you know, there was some pretty cool play. Like, you know, when you hear a lot of, on this show, we talk about a lot of shows that we go to in the city. And you have these clubs in Manhattan where they, they put, like, the metal shows on, like, 6 o'clock at night. They want yeah. you out the door by 10 o'clock so they can start another show for whatever's going to bring in the money to them, a dance club or that whatever. They ain't metal, man. They ain't metal at all, man. Yeah, but, you know, people don't. People want to hang out. They want it to be like the old days where they go to a place, they feel comfortable, they feel welcome. They're going to hang out all night, watch the bands and drink. That's that right. environment seems to be gone like we had at Lemoore. The Lemoore, baby. Come home at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, my right. God, yeah. You know? Stumble yeah. home, man. <laughs> That's right. Those days are <laughs> Those gone. Those were the good old days, man. Yeah. I missed that time. Fucking come Amazing. home three days later. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> Wake up in somebody's house and you're like, where am I? <laughs> exactly, man. I haven't way too often. <laughs> that, that was the place to be back in the day I know they had Lamar's East and Queens for a while But it was cool But that nothing was like the joint in Brooklyn, man That place was it Actually, the first time I ever saw the Ramones, man Was in uh, Lamar's in um, Queens And there was maybe wow. 10 people there, dude I couldn't fucking It was outrageous, man 10 people They were wow. fucking incredible, man I mean, that's what got me into a lot of my like, pump it's Definitely the Ramones, man Undeniable Without a doubt, man The, 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 the Lamar's in Queens is a pretty big place Compared to the one in Brooklyn It was like Three times to that place, yeah. So that was that was hard. I remember seeing King Flux there. What's his name? Richie Stotts from the Plasmatics. I had that band King Flux going for a while. That's right. Was it King Missile or something too like that? I don't remember. I, I, it was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I barely remember what I did yesterday sometimes. I remember I seen that dude playing the Continental, man, in the uh, late 80s maybe, early 90s. Yeah, it had to be the late 80s, I would think. Yeah, right? It had to be. Yeah, that was some good that stuff. That was a fun place, man. I don't know if you were yeah. hung out in there, but there were some interesting bands, to say the least, man. Definitely. Oh, yeah. That's what it was all about back then, man. You went out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes on Sunday to go see bands, you Sunday. know? That's the way Sunday it was. Who was that, Rock and Roll Church on Sundays? Um, Limelight? Oh, That's yeah. Limelight, yeah. Good show good there. Too. By the way, I want to um, I'll tell you, you know, um, Into Another is back, I heard. They're doing shows now. Tony Bono's old band. Oh, really? Yeah, they're back together. I guess they got a new face pay, of course, and uh, they're out there doing their thing, man. And um, we wish them well. Pretty cool. Well, how do you look at the scene today compared to years ago? I mean, do you feel there's a good dirt, you know, selection of bands out there, you know, like it used to be, or you just think you got a lot of people putting out a lot of shit today? Well, you know what? It's easy to have a band these days, promote yourself, and all that stuff. You know, it's not like the old days of tape trading and all that. You know. You know, groundwork that we had to do. So much, yeah. a lot easier to promote your band. But there's a lot of garbage out there, you know. And there there's always will be. And there always is. But, you know, you got to sift through it, man, and find out what you like, man. You know? But in terms of, like, metal, I think that, um, you know, of course, Europe 
they're so tried and true with that stuff, and they hold it dear to them. And the metal scene over there is just incredible. So we're looking forward to getting over there too, you know. But it seems like there's a resurgence here in America, and I hope it continues, you know, because uh, it's a long, it's long due, man. It really is. I mean, things are picking up here. That's a great thing. You know, people are starting to come out again to shows, and I know I don't, I don't know if there's ever going to be a way of getting around. You know, people downloading albums instead of buying them. I, I mean, I've done so, myself in the past, but you know, it's you can't get certain things on vinyl no more. So you find them on the internet and you get them. But I mean, to me, I'll, you put out a CD, I'm going to buy it. I get stuff for free from the record labels, but I still buy, it, even though I got a free copy. Because if I don't buy your record, I don't pay for your music. Support. I'm That's not right. going to get it the next time. You're not going to put that out. You won't have the money. That's right. I think vinyl is having a resurgence in Europe. I don't. I think here too. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like holding a record, opening it up, and checking out the artwork yeah. and all that goodness. Reading. I used to read the freaking everything on an album when I bought it, man, from front to back, the fucking line. Yeah, you know, it's something it. about having a physical copy of it, you know, especially a record. It was just, it was a beautiful thing. I miss those days. I know. I still have all my final guys. I, I still played them. There's nothing like that deep bassy sound you get from it, the crackling in the friggin' <laughs> in the grooves. Right. You get that right. good analog sound, man. You can't beat it. Bass and drums yeah. were, bass and drums were incredible on vinyl. Oh man, you know a lot of bands are you know if they have the support from these labels, they're putting out vinyl and they're selling them for like twenty five bucks a pop. Maybe they're putting out five hundred copies, but people are buying it. People are like I'll spend twenty five on a vinyl. Oh yeah, what about it. picture discs? Go great too, man. I used to buy oh. them all the time. Yeah, so maybe that's a way of getting back to it. I mean, I don't. It's never going to be mass, you know, produced like it was, but maybe that's a way for like bands to make money, you know, by putting them out. Because I'll buy any shit on vinyl from a metal band. Yeah, that's man, it's. I it's love great it. to have the vinyl. Yeah, I want to come out with a. I would. I would like to have the new uh, record that we're gonna do uh, on eight track cassette, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be able to play it though. It's the only problem. You, just look you can at have it. it, but you can't play it. No. <laughs> look at it play. You know, I, I still got my old eight track. The one with the handle. Like you used to push down the little. There you box. go, man. Oh, yeah, That's man. the shit, man. I still got that with my Kiss Destroyer eight track. Wow. And then what do you call it? These Disco Duck and the sounds of the seventies. That's great. I never had a track player, man. Nah. Never. I mean, was the sound quality better with a tracks? A tracks were better than cassettes, I think. Yeah, they were yeah, just like, hard to get the song you wanted to play because you had to keep clicking that button over yeah. and over again to find the tone. That's right. That sucks. <laughs> you know what? Um, they were in mono in the beginning, and then they yeah. switched to stereo. That's uh, unbelievable. But like, I, I know you guys were talking about the internet before. That's so much easier today to, uh, you know. Get your name out there. You can click a button, put up a few pictures, a couple of tunes. But like I said, it's also hard to try to find your way through all the fucking shit that's out there because there's so much that's crap right. on there. That's right. And you get lost. What does a band do today to kind of make themselves stand out in the crowd so people take notice? Or is there any way, or it's just a matter of you know, uh, you know, seeking the strike to trying to find it on the first hit? How about you take me and show me the other day, Joe? That fucking band sat. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically you gotta come live like a, like a you know explosion. You gotta play and perform your music like it's your last day on earth, man. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know you gotta reach the audience. Like if I want to go to see a band play and I got their CD, right? I'm gonna go to their concert. I don't want to hear exactly what was played. You know exactly same thing, blah blah blah. I want them to bring it, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of bands just take it easy, man, and they just, like, you know, go through the motions. But this band will never go through the motions. Yeah. It's over the top at all times, you know, and that's what makes people realize, you know, 
There's nothing better than live performing. But that's that's always where it's been at. I mean, uh, records were basically like a promotional tool to get people to come exactly. out and stand on tour. And, you know, exactly. you wanted to go out there, Harry. You know, you wanted – there was like, you know, it was like a commercial, like a 45-minute commercial. You got that? And because the money was in the touring, you wanted to see it. And there's nothing like that live show. You can play the album over and over again. But when you see that band live, and I think people are missing out on that thing. And they have to come out to these shows. And they got to support the live scene because that's really it's where it's at for the bands today. I think Absolutely. so. I, I really believe that. So after you get Brooklyn Militia up and running, you think we're going to have a Death Corps reunion? Because before you came <laughs> up, I played, the, I played a couple of songs of the Subhuman demo. It's all oh, warm. my God, no. <laughs> that was a fun time, let me tell you, man. That was our very humble beginnings, me and Rich, together. Yeah, I was kind of Satan before you came up, but my tape was so warped, <laughs> it sounded distorted with the whole song, but it's old, you know. Yeah. We recorded that, and we went, it was like the middle of bed side, man, and that's right. There was nothing but abandoned apartment buildings everywhere, and we saw the address, and it was like this really ghetto, fucked up building, man. We were like, this can't be it, dude. We went inside. This dude had like four stories of this fucking building. This was a studio, man. It was insane, dude. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. We were young, well, too, man. Jesus we're still brother. in touch with all those guys, too, man. You know, so we've been friends for many, many, many years. Well, it was you two you guys. never know, man. You never know. Lowe was in the group, and, uh, and Louie was playing with you guys back then. Louie was singing. Yeah, Louie. That's right. Louie at a Warlock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he used to walk around with a cape in public, man, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he wasn't walking around a cape in Ben's die. Uh, <laughs> he was. <laughs> he, I think he was. He brought his cape, he was. cape to that recording session, man. I remember oh, that. Oh, my God. We got, you know, <laughs> like 1985. That's what it was at back then. Everything was recorded, like, on four tracks, eight tracks, if you were lucky enough to save up enough money to pay for the extra couple of tracks in the studio. That's right, man. That's Right. And it was all do it yourself back then, right? You guys all chipped in a couple of hours, go to the studio, you, you know, and, and try to record a tape and try to mix it like within two hours so you can get the hell out of it before it costs you another thirty dollars. Yeah, you know, when we did a demo we we had no clue, man, at all. It was my first time in the studio. I think Rich was it your first time too? I think it was all of our first time, man. Yeah, we had no idea, man. It's but, a you know, it is what it is, man, but I still love those tunes, man. They're a lot of fun. Oh, they were but, great, man. We're, Subhuman and Prowling the Dark is probably the better of that bunch. Yeah, I like Sign of Satan. is pretty cool. Sign of Satan. I played that early. Death Calls, Black Widow, Subhuman. That, Black those some, Widow. Wow. Yeah, that was some good shit back then, man. Hey, try Thanks, to mix man. in a Brooklyn Militia set one of those tunes. <laughs> that would be crazy. The coolest part of this band is that we're not going to go and start playing a bunch of thrash tunes just to establish you know, our old following and all that bullshit. We love all different kinds of music, so like you, we can, you know, when we put out our first record, it'll be, you know, so diverse that you're really not going to be able to put a finger on it, you know, and that's what we want. We we just want to do what we want to do, and it's all always has energy. It's always catchy, you know. We have songs that are a minute and a half. We have songs that like two minutes, you know, but they're power packed, you know. Yeah, and I just want to establish ourselves as not just a thrash band, not a hardcore band. You know, we're a true crossover band. 
But that's important too because listen, you know, you, you take any metal band out there, to any, it doesn't matter what genre of metal you play. You know, you get Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden plays, you know, basically the same stuff album after album. That one time, yeah. you know, it, but after like 15, 20 years, you, you got to grow as a musician and you're going to come across different genres and different interests in music. But as soon as you make something that sounds a little different, everybody condemns right. the band. They come down on you. You guys right. actually, actually would say, oh, well, that, that's a love song. That's a thrash song. That's a punk song. It's a hug. Uh, that's Death Corps. That's, I'm sorry, that's Brooklyn Militia. That's what it's going to be. They, they know that's what you guys are going to give them. And there's no. You know, condemning you for doing something that's off the off the wall because that'll be your your thing. That's why we're happy about this band because we're not going to be pigeonholed. You know, we have so much diverse like interests, and we're going to bring them all to the table with along with all our history of all the stuff we've done. You know, in the past. I mean, it's diverse, and I don't want anybody to think any otherwise because um, it's really aggressive. It's always fast. It's always heavy, man. But it's it's definitely diverse. But I don't want to scare anybody away by saying that. You know what I mean? No, but you know what they're gonna have to say for themselves. You know, we're we're putting out the music that we love to play, and I'm sure people are gonna love it because we we're doing it with our wholeheartedly, man. You know, nothing pretentious about it. Not trying to ride a wave of some genre that's coming back or whatever, man. We're just gonna do whatever we want, how we want to do it. And if you love it, man, we love you. Yeah, you have to be true to yourself. You know what? If you please yourself and in, in the music that you're writing. You're going to please your fans, too, because the fans of you guys, listen, you guys got this longevity behind you. You guys have been doing this for over 25 years. I mean, you know, multiple bands, albums, demos, live shows. Your fans know what they expect from you guys, no matter how different it may be. And that's what's taking us all along for the ride, and we appreciate you guys giving us this music over all these years. It's amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. We're, we're just happy that people actually listen to what we've done, you know, because like I said in the beginning, man, we do it because we love to do it. You have to. I know you guys earlier said, you know, about the album. What are you going to try to do? You think maybe 2013, this will be the year you're going to get something out? Or you're oh, that's try to shop for sure. Well, actually, me and Rich, um, we went to um, St. Louis, and we recorded our bass and drum tracks. How long ago was that, Rich? Um, maybe seven months ago, eight months ago. Yeah, about seven months ago or so. And now that we finally have a full lineup again, we're going to finish this uh, recording that we've done. And, yeah, it's going to be cool, man. It really is. So we're, we've got a couple of label interests, and we're hoping by, you know, I don't know exactly when, you know, we'll have this out, but we're definitely working on it, and it's definitely a working band, and we're going to be playing live shows, and we're ready. Well, that's an important thing. Well, Rich Joe, I don't want to cut you off, man, but I only got like a few minutes left, and I want to get on some tunes. I want people to hear Brooklyn Militia. I mean, I'll, I'll close out with a little whiplash tune with you guys from the last record. But I awesome. appreciate you guys calling in and talking to me today. Where's the best place for everybody to find out what's going on with you guys, to keep up with you, and to hear some tunes? Uh, you can go to our Reverb Nation page. Just search for Brooklyn Militia. We have a Facebook page, and of course, my face page, which is like, I haven't been there in ages. <laughs> But yeah, man, we're out there, and we're we're definitely on uh, our way to play a lot of live shows too. And thanks so much, Mike, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, Mike. Joe, Rich, anytime, man. I'm gonna see you guys in Brooklyn on the fifth, and I'm gonna keep awesome. promoting the hell out of that over the next two weeks. And we're gonna try to get that place packed to the rafters for you. Thank you so Dude. much, man. We appreciate it, really. Hey, any, anytime, guys. We appreciate what you do, man, because you know, keep you you also are a large part of keeping this music alive. I do the best. Hey, look, it's either I do this on a Sunday or I have sex with my wife, but I think I've disappointed enough over the last 25 years. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <just> two hours. <laughs> 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 
I appreciate oh, you guys talking good. today. I'm going to get on best of me. How does that sound? Great, awesome. man. Thank you. All right, guys. Chris, Joe, thank you very much, guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, here you go. Some Brooklyn Militia, best of me. I'm going to see these guys in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to being at the first show. And, hey, where better else to see Brooklyn Militia than my hometown of Brooklyn, New York? Here you go.
with the feeding frenzy of the Unborn Again record. And I want to thank Biff Byfe and the Doug Scott from Saxon. I want to thank Joe Cangelosi and Rich Day from Brooklyn Militia. Don't forget to head out and see those guys. April 5th in Brooklyn at the Asheron. It's going to be an amazing show. I know I will be there. And let me see, this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, what do we got lined up for you? It's the Crest and the Crown, so don't forget to tune in at 12 o'clock. And uh, we're going to be on the air next Sunday for Easter. It won't be a live show because I'm going to be celebrating it with my family. But it's brand new, pre-recorded. We'll have more about that this week. 
I want to thank everybody for listening today. I really do appreciate it. How about we close things out with one more tune? I'm going to give you a little sanctuary right now with Termination Force. I'll see everybody Thursday. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.